good as the day before Christmas. And what a better way to take a break from all the hustle and bustle than to dive deep into the word of God. We're going to see the Lord like many of us have never imagined. Matter of fact, many of us have never, ever seen anything like what we're about to be described to us today. We're going into Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3 today. So if you have your notes, don't forget your chart that we started last week. Um, but you don't need anything. Just listen and let the Holy Spirit teach you. And may you have a, a good break from everything else and get filled by the word to prepare you for the rest of the day. So without ado, let's go into Revelation 1 verse 10. And that says this, that on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now we know that the eye is John. We already know, know that from previous studies. But who is the loud voice like a trumpet? What I don't want anyone to, to understand is that you think it's the Lord's verse, voice because that's not so. We'll see later what the Lord's voice sounded like. But this is the voice of the angel of the Lord. How do we know that? Let's go back to Revelation 1.1. It says this. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So the word is going to be made known by the angel of the Lord to the servant John. See, it said in the previous part of verse 1 that God, the Father, gave Jesus a revelation for the seven churches. And then Jesus gave that revelation to an angel to send it to John. So the loud trumpet was getting John's attention. So therefore, it was the angel of the Lord giving that to him. So what we're going to see first off is that Jesus has a description of him shown to John. And Jesus himself starts speaking to John in this message in this revelation. So let's go and see the whole thing together. It's kind of long, so bear with me, but you'll be able to read it along. So we're going to see the whole message first, and then we're going to see in chapters two and three how it's broken down and introduce all seven churches today, and that's going to be very exciting. So let's look first at Revelation 1, 12 through 18. Read with me, if you will. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash across his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. That's where we heard his voice, like rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth, I mean, and in his right, yes, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever 
and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Oh, how marvelous is that? How marvelous is that word from the Lord to John and now to each of us? So why is it important to see it all together? Because we see something magnificent in each of those attributes that we were seeing, we were shown. And now we're going to break it up and say, what does each of them mean? Why so many different aspects from the hair to the clothing, to the tongue, to the feet, to the radiance of his glory? Why is it so particularly um, and so uh, graphically described to us? Well, because we're going to study the, the seven churches and each church was dealing with a different thing or having a different issue or mission. And each of these attributes apply to one of those churches. And today I'm excited to look at all those attributes and see how it goes to each church and why. And so where are we gonna start? Well, we're gonna start with the church of Ephesus. And so let's look here at the church of Ephesus. Now the church of Ephesus was called the church that loved. The church that loved. And so, where do we see that? It says what Jesus said, the part that went to him is these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. So what does that mean to the one church that loved the church of Ephesus? Well, let's go back and look at Revelation 120. It says here, that the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So you have the seven churches and the angel for each of these churches. So to Ephesus, Jesus showed up with the one holding the churches and the angels of each church in his hand. Now, isn't that befitting that Ephesus was a church that loved? And so God it, it, Jesus is the revelation is shown showing up to them as the one who is holding everything in his hands. Because we all know that love is the greatest gift. It's the greatest attribute anyone can have. So what's next? I want to show you something. Because again, it's hard for us to understand exactly what it looks like. So here's a picture of that. There's there's a picture of Jesus. Now you may not agree with the, the depiction of who he is. That's not important. But what's important is you see the robe down to his feet and the, the gold sash across his chest. And there's the seven lampstands and the seven stars. So that is the seven churches that we're going to talk about today and the angels of each church that we're also going to discuss a little bit today. But today is an overall of all of the seven churches. Okay, let's go back and see what he said to the second church. The second church was the church of Smyrna, the persecuted church. And this comes from Revelation 2.8. And it says, these are the words of him who was the first and the last who died and came to life again. Now to a persecuted church, you're thinking, uh, why is he telling them that he's the first and the last who died and came to life? Is, is he telling them, hey, you know what? You're just going to die like I did. No, it's quite the opposite. 
to those who feel persecuted, Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? It starts and ends with me. And yes, I died, but guess what? I came back to life. And when he came, he came with victory. Remember what it said in the last part of the, the scripture that we read. Let's pull that back up because remember what he said. Oh, wait, let's get rid of that. Let's get, it says, do not be afraid. I am the first and last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death to Hades. So what was he saying to the church of Smyrna? Well, this is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I know you're persecuted. If you ever think that Jesus does not see what we are going through. Well, this, this clarifies that he does. He's saying, I know you're a persecuted church. I know for the cause of Christ, for me, you are being persecuted. But guess what? I have victory over even death, so don't be afraid. I've already conquered this. Don't be afraid. Isn't that a beautiful word? Isn't that an encouraging word? Oh, my goodness. I love that because I don't know about you. My life, you know, yeah, there's been times that I have thought, oh, my goodness. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? But then you come to this and you, you say, yes, Lord, it's worth it because you walked it and you were victorious for me. Therefore, I will be victorious over my situations today as well. And may you find encouragement for that. All that find themselves uh, understanding Smyrna. And what's the third church? Well, the third church is Pergamum. And they were known to be the church of compromise. Oh, what is compromise? Well, it means that you know what's right or wrong. You have a firm grasp of what should be. But you allow things to kind of sway you. Sort of like this. Well, I know I'm supposed to tithe. But I'll do it when it's more comfortable for me. You compromised. You know you're, you're supposed to tithe. You agree with that but you're going to give yourself an out. You're going to waver just a little bit. That's compromising. Wavering to another decision is a compromise. And what does Jesus show up to this church saying? He says, these are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword. Now, if you're a hunter or know someone who is a butcher or anything like that, then you know what a double-edged sword is. It's a, it's a, it's a sword that has, one side is a smooth blade, and another side has kind of that rigid blade. And that is, it can go in smooth, but when it comes out, it just guts everything. And that's a really good blade for hunting, for cleaning out, for gutting something. So what Jesus is saying to us who compromise our values and our morals and compromise our way of life for whatever the reason, He's saying, I am the one, I am the word who's going to come in very easily, very gently. But when I do, I'm going to gut out everything that is wrong. I'm going to show you where your heart is. I'm going to show you how to fix and stand firm. That's not a very easy revelation to those who compromise, but it is a very necessary one because once we learn how to stand on the moral and ethical integrity of the word, somehow life just gets 
set in a new path. And we don't have those moments where we just regret and we just, oh my gosh, why did I do that? I, I don't know why I did that. We don't have those moments. Not often, not as a lifestyle. And it gives us freedom. So let's move on to the next church. Thyatira. Nope. Pergamum. Nope. Sorry. Thyatira. Now, this comes from Revelation 2.18. Thyatira is the corrupt church, having Achilles' heel. So what is an Achilles' heel? It means that, well, I don't know the whole history of it, but an Achilles' heel is generally your soft spot. The spot that if it's hit, it weakens you down to the ground. And so this church is corrupt. The dealings of this church is corrupt. The way they trade and market is not agreeing with how a church ought to run itself. So to them, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So if you're doing and living a life that you know is just against the word of God and his will, Blazing fire of eyes while they can just see right through you. They can just burn the chaff right out of you. And feet that are bronze, well, that that you can't you can't pierce a bronze foot. He's walking through the fire for you. He is the cleansing fire for you. And that if we allow him to come into our lives in all the places the places that we hide from everyone, even from ourselves sometimes, the corrupt places in our life, if we allow him to come with a purification for us, to purify us, our heart, our intent, our mind. <laughs> See, Jesus isn't mad at any of these churches. Let me tell you, some of these words might be a little bit difficult. But I will tell you what, if we are honest with, with ourselves and with the Lord, this study can help us come to him and accept what he has for us. And he has so much through this study, through this book of Revelation to each church. We're going to go over that again and again because it's freedom. Jesus desires for each of the churches to be fully his, to be serving him completely to be loving him and for him to be able to pour through and pour out upon. But listen, we got to clean ourselves up and we can't always do that. It takes, it takes the Lord as blazing with fire eyes and bronze feet and a, a two edged sword to come and clean us up. But first we have to be willing to see who we are and accept that we need to be cleaned up. And that's, what this revelation is about. Now, here's one. You're going to say, I don't belong to this church, but I don't know. Let's see. The church of Sardis. Well, it's the dead church. What else do you say? They're alive, but then they're dead. And that's what it says in uh, Revelation 3, 1. 
the the way that Jesus revealed to this church is that I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. What that reminds me of is I had this favorite aunt. She was an amazing woman. But this is what she always would say. Every road leads to heaven. Just be good. Just, just smile and treat everybody nice. If you're just nice, that's all you need. Well, niceness counts. It's nice to be around nice people. But every road doesn't lead to heaven. See, Jesus is the only road to heaven, to true salvation. It's a free gift of salvation through the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. So we can have reputations of being good people. We can have a reputation like the Church of Sardis of being those who are doing the right thing. Outwardly, we look good. Outwardly, we are doing all the right things, but internally, internally, our soul is dead. Either we haven't accepted Jesus as our Lord, or we are denying the fruit of the Holy Spirit to take hold of us, but we're dead. And this church is a church I think is the most dangerous one because we can go on and think we're doing all right and we're good, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. The foundation is missing. I am missing. So we're going to learn. If you find yourself in this situation, it's okay because guess what? You're doing the best you can. You're doing what you know to do. But Jesus just wants to come in and show you how much more you are with a relationship with him. How much more peace, how much more freedom, energy that we can have when we are purposeful in the will of the Lord instead of doing it in our own might. I'm going to tell you what, it's hard. I, I, I've been a member of so many churches. I can't even tell you because we moved a lot. And it is it is taxing to work in a church and keep it all up. And it's easy to get caught up in the to-dos. It's easy to get caught up in the taking care of business. And we lose, lose why we got into service in the first place, because especially now, you, things are being done that are just not um, part of the ministry, like disinfecting a whole church and setting things up outside and dealing with all this COVID stuff. It's just very difficult to maintain if we don't step outside of our role inside the church and have that personal relationship outside of church. That's what Jesus is saying. You maybe were just caught up in the to-dos and we're tired and exhausted. And at the end of the day, we don't have anything left to give to him to be renewed and restored. See, we might just be the church of Sardis after all. And it's okay because Jesus came to give us life and to fulfill us and to enrich us and to, to, to reset us and to restore us. Now, here's a church coming up that everybody thinks um, that they know, Philadelphia. The Church of Philadelphia. No, it's not the one in the United States. It's another church, okay? 
And we call Philadelphia the Church of Brotherly Love or the City of Brotherly Love. And that's where they got this from, is that Philadelphia was a church that had the keys. The keys to what? The keys to the way it's supposed to be. It was a church with a mission. They loved people. They loved the word of God. They loved ministry. This church was a beautiful example. And so that's why Philadelphia here in the United States has the name, the city of brotherly love because church in Philadelphia was actually known for that. So here's what Jesus revelation showed up as and said, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Now we know that David was a man after God's own heart. So for God, for Jesus to show up holding the keys of David, holy and true, He's saying, this is my church whom I desire. So is there anything that needs to be fixed with the Philadelphia? Is there anything that can be reproved or rebuked about the church of Philadelphia? If you are walking upright and you have the keeper of the keys, you're, you're, you're a person with the mission of Christ. Well, glory, hallelujah, that he has set you in a season of that. But we're going to see there's still a message of, of hope and instruction and commendation and, and promise and blessings for this church as well. See, not everything is a negative in the word of God. Sometimes there's a lot of praises that God says, hey, you know what? You're getting it right. You're getting it right. But even then, let me just say this. We got to stay in the mindset that we can always get it wrong. Many people have fallen to the temptations of the enemy, because we get to the place where we, we are living in a, a holy lifestyle as we know best and that we are ministering the heart of God and we are seen as a child of God inside and out. And that's when the enemy comes really hard and starts devouring, starts plugging at your armor. And if we don't stay in that relationship in that constant repentive state, that humility of who we have become in Jesus. We're going to fall and we're going to find ourselves somewhere in another church one of these days. So that's why it's so important that we still listen. Even if we think we're okay, we still listen to all of the admonishments. We still listen to all of the reproof, all the commendation, all the promises to each of these churches, because we never know what our reflection shows sometimes until somebody reflects the mirror in our own faces. So that's what this is doing. This study is going to be a reflection. And, you know, I love this because when it came to the church um, with the keeper of the keys, he said this, he said, what he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. When we are walking in right relationship, in the will of the Father, in relationship through Jesus Christ. We have the power to open and shut because in agreement with the word of God. Because we're heir to the thrones and we're kingdom. I'm going to talk tomorrow about being kingdom um, on our message. But for today, just know that there is, you know... <laughs> So much goodness in the Lord. You know, they call the Bible the good news. 
I'm going to tell you what, there's no better news. There really is. Even with, with all this um, learning and all this hard talk and, and sometimes we get rebuked from the Bible, it's still good news because of the result of the word of God. It's always for us. The result of learning the word of God is that it is always better on the other side. Sometimes it's hard to get through it, but oh my goodness, if we stay steadfast, and we're going to talk about that with the next church, the church of Laodicea. And Laodicea in Revelation 3.14, this is what it says. It says, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Now, we learned back in Revelation 1 that Jesus was the faithful and true witness, right? Um, the ruler of God's creation. So what is he saying to Laodicea? Laodicea is known as the lukewarm church. You know, they kind of got one foot in and they got one foot out. Not quite the compromising church. This is just lukewarm. You know, hey, we'll, we'll do just the basics of what we need to get by. I have salvation. I don't need to live for the, for the Lord. I got salvation. I'm a little lukewarm. I can do this and do that. I can be in both sides. Listen, it says us uh, in the Bible, it says, um, and Look up the scripture, find the verse. So I challenge you to do that. It says something about sitting on the fence. Can't have one foot on one side of the fence and another foot on the other side of the fence. You need to get off the fence. Stop straddling the fence. Make a choice. Decide who you're going to serve. Decide who you're going to serve. Period. Jesus has come. He's bore witness. The word of God has bore witness in us. We, we understand who he is. So why not dedicate our full life to him? That's what, that's what Jesus is saying to the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. If you know who he is, if you know he's Lord of all creation, if you know he is a faithful and true witness, Why aren't you completely dedicated? I'll tell you why. It could be anything. It could be family pressures. Family grew up with a different denomination, a different belief system, a different culture. And so you can't, you, you know, you can't go completely in because you can't lose your family. It could be your job. It could be how you make money because you know, it's not something that God would be pleased with, but you need to earn a living. So what are you going to do? There are real reasons why someone will be lukewarm. The one thing I can't understand is why so many people inside the church condemns people for being lukewarm. Because really, as, as we're going to see, lukewarmness is a conflict inside of yourself. You know what's right. You know who Jesus is, but there's something that you can't fully commit to. And why? Well, you know what? Jesus understands that why. I don't. I don't understand your why. I don't even know your why. Just like you can't understand my why. But there are times in my life, have been, where I wasn't fully committed. Oh, I love the Lord, but not with all my heart. Oh, I understood who he was, but it didn't make a difference in my right then. And I wasn't fully committed. And, and so if you're in that category, 
Stay with me on this. I know the Church of Laodicea is the last church we're really going to delve into, but it is worth staying with me because, oh, the encouragement. The encouragement and the reward, the instruction is beautiful to this church. And so that is all of the descriptions to each church. So what are we going to do with that? Why did, did it go from being in Revelation 1, 12 through 18, all in one paragraph? This is who you saw, the revelation of the Lord. And then it went from that to breaking it down over chapter 2 and 3 to each church. Why would he do that? Well, for two reasons. One, when you see scripture repeated, especially so closely together, is pay attention. This is important. Pay attention to this. So it's like, okay, you might have read through that really fast, but now I want to break it down slowly. And I want to break it down in a way that is applied, applicable to you. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to say, wait a minute. Look at this. This is a lot of words. All right, this is a big, if you give me a card with this much in it, I'm not reading it. I can just tell you that. That's my pet peeve about cards. If it's this long, I'm not going to read it. So this whole thing, especially now, we don't have an attention span of a gnat these days. So it's long and we can say, well, what does that all mean? Okay, it's great. Wow, what a picture. You're telling me that this is what it looks like. Oh, we can get a great picture, but does this picture tell you anything? How do you apply that? We have to learn how to go deeper and I love that you're with me on this, getting deeper understanding, because if we just stay at this is the depiction, okay, but the word of God, Jesus didn't want us to stay there. So he gave the revelation to John step by step, you know, and that's what we saw in chapters two through three with each of the churches. So why should we care about the churches? that God was concerned with so long ago. None of us was around in that time. I don't know that any of us even knows anyone that could have been, I mean, it's just, it, you don't know anyone. That time was not this time, things were different then. So why do we care so much? Why did God put this in the Bible? Because the word is for then, yesterday, today, and for tomorrow. And remember, this was a prophetic vision a prophetic revelation. So it was good for them then, but it's also was a word for the future. And guess what? We are the future. So how do we apply it? Let's look at this. Here's all the characteristics just listed together. Ephesus is a church that loved. Smyrna, the persecuted church. Pergamum, the church of compromise. Theatria, Theatira, the corrupt church, the Achilles heel. Sardis, the dead church. Philadelphia, a church with a mission. Remember, they had the keys. Laodicea is a lukewarm church. So what we need to do is ask the Holy Spirit, take an honest look at yourself. What church do you belong to? Could be a little bit of everything. You could be the church that loves. You love, 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 love. You can take care of people. 
But guess what? You also compromise on your values and your integrity to do that. See, there is a balance of who we ought to be. And sometimes we let fear and emotions and life's complications take us places that we know we don't want to be in. We let people influence us to become people we don't want to be. And then we can find ourselves in each of these churches. The good news is this. <laughs> that when we get into this study and we'll start next week with Ephesus, we're going to see how Jesus commends each of these church. Can he commend each of these churches? Now commend says it's an attaboy. I'm going to give you an attaboy. We like attaboys. I do. But then we're going to see how he reproves them, how he points out what is wrong, what isn't lined up with the word of God and the will of God, their character flaws. He's going to show that. This is what I have against you. He's going to instruct them. So now that I tell you what you do right and show you what you still have to work on, He's going to explain to you how to work on it. Isn't that beautiful? See, I love the word of the Lord because it doesn't leave you hanging. Like, okay, I, I do that wrong. Now what? He, he doesn't do that. He says, okay, this is what you did great. I love that about you. That is wonderful. But this is a character flaw. We want to we want to improve. We always want to improve ourselves, right? We don't ever want to be complacent in who we are. There's always room for improvement. So here's the reproof. And then here's the instruction, how to fix that character flaw. And then he's going to um, give a warning. And if you don't listen, you know, what do we do with our kids? I'm talking to you nicely now, but if you don't listen, well, the next step is going to be something you're not going to want. And that's exactly what happens to these churches is a warning. If you don't listen, if you don't take this as a warning, to change, to get yourself aligned with the will of God, then this is coming. Oh, my friends, how many times did I not listen to the warnings of my life? It's like having a life where everything is great and you're working out or you're just minding your own business, then you start getting that chest pain. That's a warning. And then you, you say, oh, I'm all right. I have indigestion, but it comes bigger and bigger. And you get out of breath when you're walking and you're like, wow, I used to be able to walk that. Just yesterday I walked a mile. Now I'm up to like half a mile and I'm already at a tide. I got this, this nudge in my chest. Listen, those are warnings that something is wrong in your heart. And if you don't listen to it, you very well could wind up flat on your face with a heart attack. So we got to listen to the warnings that, that is given to each of these churches that we see ourselves as. But then here, here's the last thing he gives, because I love, he gives you the last is the best. He says, for those who overcome the adversity, the challenges that we face in this situation, in this church, here's a promise. 
And it's a good one. They're all good ones. There's seven promises and they're all very, very good. So I want to put this back up on the screen again. Which church do you recognize yourself as? And you go ahead and you can skip through and read about the church that you recognize yourself. If you recognize yourself in two or three, well, this week, look up the scriptures, Revelation 2 and 3, Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, and it will show you more. You can study on your own. And then maybe next week we'll be able to, to give greater understanding or or a, or, or you'll, you'll just have confirmation that, hey, wait a minute. I learned that. I got that right. It's going to be beautiful studying this together. Very encouraging. So don't forget your chart if you're keeping one. So this week it should look like that. What did we do? We added um, the attributes of Jesus to this. So from verse 13 to 16, we took a line and added each of the attributes. A robe to his feet with gold sash around his chest. Hair white as wool, white as snow. Eyes blazing with fire and shoes with bronze. His voice like a sound of rushing water. I don't know that I want to hear that sound, honestly. But at the same time, it sounds like it could be amazing. Think about the Niagara Falls and the sound it makes. It's, it's deafening, but yet it's beautiful at the same time. That his right hand holds the seven stars, seven angels for each of the church. Out of his mouth was sharp, double-edged sword. Let him gut us up with the word so that we can be pure, cleansed, so that we can be changed. Get all the yuck out of us. And his face was like shining in all of its brilliance. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? So there's your chart for this week. Um, and I know that tomorrow is Christmas. So I hope that you are being safe and that your family is being safe. Um, but don't forget, if you need to escape that hustle and bustle, we do have a daily dose of truth to hear. So here's our schedule coming up. Tomorrow is Friday. We have a message about what does it mean to be kingdom? What does it mean to be kingdom? Does it mean that we get to be high and lifted up and exalted above everybody else? That, that we have an air about us? Certainly not. And then Monday, this week with Truth to Hear, we're going to highlight some special things. And then Tuesday, Truth Talk with Bill and Brandy, we're going to talk about that new relief bill. Yes, we are. Wednesday, well, a very special conversation with my husband, Mark, will be together for that conversation. So if you want to learn more about us or whatever, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Um, we'll see what comes up. And then again, back here next Thursday to dive deeper into the church of Ephesus. And when I say dive into the church, we're going to dive into the church. It's going to be the history of the church. What was Ephesus like back then when the word was given? And what's it like now? Like we're going to see comparisons. We're going to see um, pictures of trade. We're going to see um, everything about their lifestyle. Who were these people? What gods or goddesses were they serving? How did that affect the church? And then we're going to look at all of the 
the things we just mentioned about the commendations and the reproofs and the instructions and the warning and the um, the overcoming blessing. So with that, I look forward to seeing you again and hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas. If you need prayer, of course, you can get us but through any of the social media that you're watching this on, or you can go to our website at truthtohear.org. And there's a contact page where you can email and someone will get back with you. And if you don't want a response back, that's fine. We'll be praying for you. All right. So thank you so much for coming today and Merry Christmas.